Hello and welcome back to Raised on the Internet, a podcast where we explore memories of growing up online. My name is Kia and it's good to be back in your feed. This is a real episode. This is not just a little check-in. We are back, baby. We're back with a full episode and I hope you like it. This has been a cool one to make. It's a little bit disorganized in terms of format here, so I hope you're okay with jumping around a little bit, do a little bit of research, a little bit of personal stories, my stories and your stories. My goal basically was to just do whatever it took to get myself back enthusiastic about creating podcast episodes for myself and for you. So jumps around a little bit, but I know that sometimes that could be entertaining for you guys too, so I hope you like it. This episode is also time sensitive. Unfortunately, I did miss my deadline. Sorry. It is a Pride-themed episode, but unfortunately this episode will probably get posted after midnight, so technically July 1st. So we did miss Pride Month by a couple hours, but we're going to pretend like we did not, because we could always add another day to Pride Month. We could add a lot of days to Pride Month, but we're still celebrating here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Here it is. Let's get into it. So as I was thinking about how I wanted to frame this Pride-themed episode and bring it back to our theme of Raised on the Internet, I started thinking about how I first used the internet and social media when I first logged on back in the day. And I think a lot of it comes back to understanding myself. So understanding what kind of person I am in relationship to my friends, in relationship to like school and social hierarchies there, and then also just like to society and to the world, what kind of person I was, where I was going to fit into things. And I honestly was kind of looking for what boxes I would fit into because then I could understand myself better if I knew what kind of people I resonated best with and I could point to, this is the type of person I am, whether that's like artsy or nerdy or whatever have you, um, it's easier to understand yourself when you are able to label yourself like that. I think what's interesting with the era that I grew up in is that it was really a time where social media could start to inform you of what was even out there, like what type of person you could possibly be and like if you're following the boxes analogy, what boxes there are even out there to put yourself in. So I wanted to see if anyone else that I knew had kind of a similar experience. So I put up on my Instagram a little survey box, submission box, asking how social media and the internet impacted you, your understanding of your gender and sexuality specifically. And I got some interesting responses, so I'm going to take a little bit of time to reflect on what you guys said. So I got a message from Madeline who submitted that the YouTuber Evan Edinger's video about demisexuality was influential in her understanding of her own sexuality and identity. She saw this video when it came out when she was about 15, so sophomore year of high school, which is really an important time to have more information and understand your own identity. So I'm glad that this video was there for her to see and absorb at the time. It's a really good video if you haven't checked it out. It's just called My Sexuality by Evan Edinger. 
he does a really good job with it. It's very personable. He talks about his own personal experiences and is very relatable, but also explains in a more informative way what demisexuality is. So I definitely recommend if you're interested in checking that out. There's also context with this video that I think is important to understand, which is that this video was released at a time where there was kind of a trend on YouTube for these coming out videos. So HuffPost points to Tom Daly, the Olympic diver, as kind of starting this trend in about 2013. And the trend continued, I'd say, until probably early 2016-ish, where there were a lot of these YouTube personalities, you might call them vloggers, posting these coming out videos as part of the LGBTQ plus community. You have to remember also this is before marriage equality became legal across the country. So it was pretty brave. These YouTubers, often people that like they have these big fan bases a lot of the time and people feel like they know them. The stakes were pretty high at the time, it felt. And to have these people be brave and open up completely, it was brave and also really important for young people to have this kind of reference. This is someone that I've kind of watch them over the past few years, like develop into adulthood, and I can see them living authentically. And it's really important to have these examples of like, it's possible to live this life, you know? Um, So I commend Evan for making this video and all of the other YouTubers who came out at that time. It was a really important time in YouTube history, I think. So then I also got a message from Wolf who says, I could write a whole essay on how online lesbophobia had me cycle through every other letter of LGBT because I didn't want to be a lesbian because I thought they were so mean and evil. Turns out I am a mean non-binary lesbian. So I asked for an example there and they sent me a tweet that just came out a couple days ago that somebody says, nobody loves pride more than a bisexual woman with a man at home. So that is a biphobic tweet in itself. But then Wolf was pointing out the issue with the replies to this tweet where a lot of people are assuming that this original poster was a lesbian because of the tweet where they never identified as a lesbian. They never said what their sexuality was. And so these people are just kind of showing their biases where like you think that any kind of biphobia would be coming from a lesbian and lesbians are just like inherently biphobic, which is sucks like that assumption sucks and wolf is right to be upset about that uh wolf just says to kind of wrap it up here um a general false idea of lesbians being gatekeepers slash more bigoted than other members of the community not to say that there aren't bigoted lesbians but i saw a lot of generalizations about us all being biphobic slash transphobic etc that is probably untrue and i agree that it's definitely untrue and i've I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that it's made it harder for you to identify with what feels true to you because um, you were receiving this, like, misinformation. But I'm really glad that you're able to identify and be your true self. So thanks for submitting that as well. So I want to switch gears now a little bit. And I said at the top of this episode that this will be a little bit of a ramble, switching topics here and there. But I want to look specifically at Tumblr for a second. Tumblr is a blog site similar to something like Twitter, but in my experience, Tumblr seems to be more anonymous. So almost like TikTok, you're not following your entire contact list on Tumblr like you would do on like a Facebook or Instagram. So I'll talk 
more about a study that I looked into his research in a minute, but just to illustrate the difference, uh, some statistics for you. About 87% of Facebook users are on the platform to connect with IRL friends, so people that they knew before they logged on. Uh, on Snapchat, that number sits around 83%. So with that in mind, take a mental guess of what percentage of Tumblr users you would think are using that platform to connect with people that they knew already before joining the site. Okay, think about it. It's 3%. Isn't that crazy? You like the contrast there? I just think it's really interesting, and this is kind of a side note, but I'm also just very interested in like different social media norms and how they vary from platform to platform. So side table that for another day when I may come back to that on a different episode. Um, Tumblr has a reputation or has historically had a reputation as being kind of the queerest social media, for better or for worse. I find it very interesting, and I've never really been able to put a finger on how I feel about that. Because on one hand, it's really helpful to be able to find other people you have life experiences in common with. But on the other hand, I do think Tumblr fosters a little bit of a preoccupation with finding as precise of a label for yourself as possible. So really niche. This is just anecdotal from my experience scrolling through in my late teens myself. But I did some research on this and I found an article from the International Journal of Communication about Tumblr use and young people's queer disconnections, which is a very interesting read that I would recommend if you have uh, some time to spare. So I want to summarize a little bit of what I read in this article. The first main point from this article, I would say, is that the anonymity allowed through the internet, but especially through Tumblr, is, um, quote, useful to young people in exploring non-cisgender and non-heterosexual identities through connecting with peers. So I really think Tumblr being away from the social politics in school and everyday life made it like feel like a safe space to talk about things without being judged. Because sometimes you feel like there's there's higher stakes to talking to like sharing things with your personal friends because there's more consequences to that. But if you're sharing it with people online, they may already be having the same experiences as you, but you also don't have the consequences of having to like answer to that in real life. So then the next thing that this article talks about that I think is kind of the crux of all this is Tumblr teaching young people what's out there in terms of identity and particularly like LGBTQ plus identities. So this article includes interview excerpts. One subject, Casey, who is 20, agender and bisexual, says, quote, I actually learned about agender and all the other genders for, through Tumblr. Before that, all I really knew was there are men and there are women and that's it. So I engage with the community on Tumblr with non-binary people and trans people quite a bit. Casey also talks about how Tumblr discourse about accurate labels got toxic at times. Quote, I learned a lot from Tumblr about sexualities. There's tons of argument, or used to be, between bisexuality and pansexuality. Some people are like, they're the same. Some people thought that bisexuality was inherently transphobic because it's two genders, but after Tumblr, I'm like, words don't mean a thing. And I think this actually does get back to a little bit about what Wolf was saying, where there's like this kind of infighting where people want to prove that they're the most accepting. Um, and I think that can be damaging because you want to prove that you are the most socially aware to a point where you're like maybe not being completely true about what feels 
like like your truth like you're who you're attracted to just to prove that you're not being transphobic for many reasons as the article describes tumblr users often get disillusioned with the platform in addition to the toxicity, the article also talks a bit about how recently Tumblr has become so saturated with queer users that the community doesn't really feel as tight-knit anymore. Some users kind of perceive this as a bit of a loss. I personally would also throw in that Tumblr has been through a lot of changes in the past like 5 to 10 years, some including censorship rules, and I would bet that that definitely would contribute to the loss of this community space. So now that Tumblr is kind of on the downturn there. Uh, I would love to hear from younger listeners if I have any. I just want to know if there's if you feel like there's any other platform that has taken over this role that Tumblr had in terms of just this uh, queer community and teaching young people about what was possible for their identities. Um, do you feel like that could be TikTok? Like, I feel like TikTok is kind of different, but that may be my guess in terms of like a new platform that could fill that role in some capacity. I'd love to hear from you, though. Like, please reach out and let me know if I'm wrong on that. So with that all said, I think it's just really interesting. I think all of this is really interesting. And I'd love to share a little bit about my own understanding of how my sexuality has evolved over the years. So let's get into that. I think because of some medical issues that I've had over the years, the concept of sex itself was just very scary to me for a while. And although I had many, many crushes growing up, um, I was still a little freaked out in my mid to late teens when I saw a lot of my friends talking about hookup culture, both in person and online. My friends were using Tinder and stuff as we kind of got into our first years in college and that like always made me very anxious and I didn't really know why I felt freaked out but because I felt different I sometimes wondered if I was maybe asexual um I was like why am I feeling this way and then this is going to get a little bit dark so bear with me here but when I did lose my virginity I told the guy that I was worried that I was never going to enjoy sex and he said well then something is wrong with you um and fuck that guy (laughs) but uh yeah, really just played into the fears I had at the time. I think a lot of online teen subcultures focus a lot on pinpointing exactly it is what makes you the way that you are. And personally, I started looking around for a reason and an identity to explain my situation at the time. Um, That time period really coincides with the time that I spent on Tumblr, seeing people discuss their various hyper-specific labels and searching for something that made sense to me and could explain what was going on. So over the years, I started researching, I started going to the gynecologist and figuring out my medical issues, but I just find it interesting that in those moments when I felt like something was wrong with me, the idea of finding a label was definitely really comforting for me. Um, That would have been something valid to point to. Uh, I would have been able to kind of take myself off the hook there. Still though, I really think if I went to whatever god or power or universe or whatever you believe in and I asked hey girl what actually is my sexuality they'd be like bitch you're on your own on that one (laughs) I don't know I've only dated men uh, but a couple years ago I was thinking about like dream homes and where I'd want to move eventually and like kind of permanent long-term things and I said something like I could see myself living with a girl if we were really close and then I was like 
is that not literally what marriage is? <laughs> so I don't know. Like, does that make me close to bi? I don't know. I feel like I could be bi in the way that, like, thank you, next era Ariana Grande is bi, and that, like, it's a personal bit I have with myself to say something vaguely fruity and then just, like, completely ignore the speculation that ensues. Um, I have mixed feelings about never fully labeling myself either way, and, like, as I was saying, it is nice to have a label there to understand why things are the way they are, but I just feel like I've evolved so much as an adult, and I always want to give myself space to evolve. I genuinely feel so comfortable with the idea that I don't know everything. So personally, like with myself, even just more world level things like religion, politics, like it is cliche to say, but really I am this tiny little speck on a rock, like hurling through this like infinitely vast infinity. And I think it's the most respectful thing to myself and my surroundings to be like, I want to leave space for new perspectives to change my entire mind. I was on a date earlier this month and I was trying to explain this to the dude and he said, you sound very indecisive, which did offend me if I'm honest, because I actually feel like I know myself better than I ever have, which may sound contradictory, but I guess what I'm saying is that I and my sexuality contain multitudes, and I never want to limit that. Anyway, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this. I really enjoyed this. I hope that this wasn't too jumbled up in terms of um, structure here to enjoy. I hope you got something out of this. Um, I'm really going to try to keep posting more on this feed. Maybe once a month will be a good plan for me. That feels like achievable. So I'm going to really try to stick to that. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with me and the podcast, the Instagram is at RaisedOnTheInternet, and the email is RaisedOnTheInternetPod at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out whenever you'd like. So yeah, thanks again for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye, guys.